So imagine all of the A-B testing that you're doing and all of the market research that you're doing, being able to do that in minutes and then being able to have all that data in one place. When you consider that we're able to share data with you in minutes within the SaaS platform, it's a significant time and money saved. So just from an efficiency standpoint, it's a game changer for a lot of the brands that we're working with. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep up on the latest marketing trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 71 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, and we provide strategic marketing development and execution, empowering companies with strategic communication. Now, my guest today will need no introduction for many of you, but this is Christina Garnett. Hi, Christina. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so happy you're here. I know I think we've talked about this for a little while. So I'm glad that that I was able to bring you in the last month of the year. I mean, we're on a season that's not run on the calendar year, but you know, we get December and January, our numbers go up exponentially, I think, because everyone's trying to figure out their plan for the new year and all that kind of yeah. good stuff. So, or their home, <laughs> that was the, <laughs> of old, it was like, because people were home from the ho- for the holidays and now we know everyone's just home from being home. <laughs> Very true. Uh, we're, all, we're all just trying to cope through and get through the year. Exactly. All right, I'm going to read your bio. Christina Garnett, Senior Insights Strategist at Visit. Former teacher and marketing director, Christina works with Fortune 500 brands to strengthen their digital strategy. With inbound marketing and audience intelligence at the heart of her work, Christina focuses her efforts to encourage a deep dive to understand personas, competitors, and more. With her work at Visit, Christina works to create strategy playbooks and visual intelligence reports in the pursuit of content that resonates with the target audience. She has a deep love for audience research and social listening, believing that to truly understand your audience, you need to listen to them. Amen. Christina is featured in HubSpot Academy's social media certification course, as well as their separate course on social listening. She's been a speaker of national events like Inbound 19, Adapted Digital Media Summit, as well as local events for the Virginia SBDC. You can also find her featured in various ebooks by Social Insider, HubSpot, and Talkwalker, as well as articles by The Next Web and Meltwater. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. It's awesome. It's quite the resume. I appreciate it. such a diverse background. I too have a pretty diverse background, but not as diverse as yours. I've at least worked in tech in some form or another. I was not a math teacher. So this actually brings me to my first question. How interesting your career path is that. So math teacher and more to this, a senior insights strategist. So can you take us through like a work day in the life of Christina? Sure. So as a senior insight strategist, I visit, I work with a team. I'm lucky enough to work with some of the most brilliant people I've ever been lucky enough to work with. And we work with brands and decide based on who are their target audiences, what are the images they want to have scanned and viewed through our visual intelligence platform. Our visual intelligence platform specifically looks at the images and are able to score them on a zero to 100% scale and are able to tell you how they're going to perform before you flight them. So imagine all of the A-B testing that you're doing and all of the market research that you're doing, being able to do that in minutes 
And then being able to have all that data in one place. So you're able to see not only which is performing better than others, but you're able to see when you look at the bigger picture, what are the patterns we're seeing? What are there? Are there specific angles that people prefer? Or does a certain background perform better than another background? Should you have a white background, a black background? Should you have copy in the image, not have copy? We're able to really take a look at that. And a day of the life for me is I'm going through the platform I'm running analysis. I'm helping the team as they're building these audiences, whether you need like gen pop or men who like golf or women who are 25 to 54, we're able to create those audiences and then run your images as well as competitor images. And so I'm running those and then looking through the data to say, what are the major takeaways here? Does this brand need to know? Did they come with an hypothesis or a specific challenge or question that they need answered? And so that way we're creating these data We're able to provide them with the data, but my job is to tell that story. So what's performing better? Why is it performing better? Is it color choices? Is it angles? Is it the way that something is set up where it has a human in this one, but not in that one? Really able to tell that story to them and then make recommendations. So not only is the platform predictive, but the insights team makes it also prescriptive so that these brands are able to figure out what do they need to do next. Okay. So what then is the definition of visual intelligence? I mean, you just, you talked a lot now just now about about all the things, Mm -hmm. but if someone just said, what's visual intelligence? What's kind of like a succinct way to answer that? Absolutely. So visual intelligence is the ability to analyze and measure the success and performance of images. Boom. (laughs) I need a good way to say it. And I want to say too, thank you to everyone who is watching live. And if you have any questions or anything at all that you want to share with us, please be sure to put those in the comments. And so far, I'm only seeing a couple. I'm seeing a lot of people on, but I only seen a couple. So we welcome your questions here for this brief time that we have with that Christina G. Okay. So how can marketers use visual intelligence to specifically target the right audiences. So if you know what audiences you want to look for, we're able to create those pretty quickly for you. You're able to run those images and then see what performs best. The reason why this helps, if I'm a marketer and I've got stuff in my content calendar or I'm looking for things for approval, we all have been in that situation where we get notes. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to the notes. It's just, I don't like this. I think this is better. And a lot of marketers, when it comes to imagery, we're basing off of our decisions off of gut. We're basing it off of intuition. Whereas copy, subject, email, like we have data and metrics to support basically every other decision we're making. But when it comes to imagery, we really haven't been able to tap into that measurement yet. And so that's what we're able to provide. So when you are basically pitching your ideas and you're explaining why you're using this image or another, you're able to have data that supports that choice. So you're not just saying, well, this performs better for us previously, because as we know, times change. Being able to go in and say, not only is this going to be a better option for us, I have the data to support it. That's really powerful. It also saves you a lot of time. If you know what your audience likes, then imagine how how more efficient the design process is going to be. You're going to be able to know what colors are probably more appropriate. You're going to be able to know something should be angled versus not. You're going to be able to know, does this audience prefer lifestyle images or would they rather just see the product? Being able to have that information at like at the ready, you're going to be able to immediately start creating designs that you know are going to perform significantly better. So that saves you time. There's going to be less notes. 
It also means that the approval process will be quicker, which as marketers, we know that the approval process is usually the biggest bottleneck. We're really fighting for legal to say yes, our supervisors to say yes, and basically get that through. So this is able to get rid of a lot of those barriers that are that are really kind of making the whole creation process significantly like slow. Right. I laughed because I am not a graphic designer. I know enough to be dangerous. You know, I can work my way around Photoshop. I got asked to create an anniversary logo and um, some tagline options by my client. And today, I, you know, just very rough drafts of the logo and the tagline. And we Everyone just kind of like stared at the screen. Just sat there like thinking like, that's not quite it. So yeah, so we could have used something like this. But so let's talk about like scale though. So mm-hmm. is it a SaaS product? Is it something that you're looking more like towards enterprise level? Mm-hmm. What's kind of, how does it work in that respect? Absolutely. So right now we're in a consultancy phase. So okay. we have the product, we have the, it's a SaaS platform. We have the SaaS platform. We're able to use it internally. We're already working with companies like Masterlock, Cliff Bar, really working on in the digital shelf. So basically if you're seeing products in Walmart, and Target and Amazon, which images are going to perform better when you're trying to hit those e-commerce buyers. But in Q1 is when we're going to be launching the SaaS platform. And if you if you go to our website, vizit.com, you can actually go in and request a demo so you can learn more about what it looks like and what you can expect. And we're going to be opening it up to beta, to beta users in um, the first quarter. Oh, okay. I didn't realize how this is fresh. Mm-hmm, fresh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and they were super smart to bring you on board. Jim Fuse is, this is some amazing <laughs> stuff. Yay! And yeah, it's very exciting. We love some Jim. Yeah, very cool. It, just fascinating. Obviously, it takes artificial intelligence to a whole other mm-hmm. level. Very cool. And that's what's at play, right? Yes, it's machine learning. Yeah, yes. Yeah. All right. So I was just going to say, like, my next point was in a way, it seems like it takes testing content to like an entirely new level, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of market research that doesn't need to be done. I have a history of doing market research for companies that I've worked with and the time that's that's needed. And then you're having to work in panels and you're having to hope that you get the right people, but sometimes you don't. And then you have confirmation bias. And then it's a significant time and money spend. And then when you consider that we're able able to share data with you in minutes within the SaaS platform, it's a significant time and money save. So just from an efficiency standpoint, it's a game changer for a lot of the brands that we're working with. And how often do brands kind of change? And this is separate from like, what do I post mm-hmm. today? And how does mm-hmm. this look? But yes. their whole like brand look, do, do you have mm-hmm. any information as to like, how frequently brands change their logo and like kind of color scheme and kind of all that. I wonder if this might accelerate that. Like they might do it more often if they have an easier way to get a solution. I think that I think that it definitely does lend itself to that. We've worked with some people who do a lot of pre-packaging. A lot of the biggest lifts that we've seen when it comes to conversion rates and when it comes to like sales is because we've worked with brands who were deciding whether or not they want to do a repackaging and then what that looks like. And then with that digital shelf, being able to decide what are going to be the images that really kind of represent us. Because as marketers, at least at least in my space, it's very easy to think socially, but we're looking at website images. We're looking at e-com images that are on third-party websites. We're looking at like actual physical packaging, trying to 
gauge like if we move even like the copy and we have it be to the right of the product versus to at the bottom of the product or we change the color scheme being able to see all those variants and then being able to say like this specific audience were able to do that what's also interesting and what i really like doing when i'm diving deeper into the data is also finding those audiences that you didn't realize you could have tapped into so for mm -hmm. instance you say like i have no idea who i want to target with this i just want to see what the general population says and then we run those images and we see that like women 55 plus love this and men 24 to 34 love this or hate it. Being able to see that and be like, maybe we're missing out on opportunities that we didn't know we had or knowing where to go. Like what does packaging need to look like for Whole Foods versus Target versus Walmart and deciding maybe Whole Foods prefers like a lifestyle image as the hero versus Walmart where no, I just want to get right down to it. Tell me exactly what I'm buying. Being able to know that it's a huge strategic advantage. Yeah. It, you just made me think of merchandising in mm -hmm. retail. I yep. mean, you talk about the digital shelf, which I had never heard it put that way before. I love that term. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I worked for a company that was trying to get their product into Costco. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, basically to get into Costco, you have to replace something. So they don't have like extra room on their shelves. If you get a new product into Costco, something else is going out. And so I had the opportunity to do a roadshow. So for three months, I was at different Costco's all over San Diego and Riverside counties. It was fascinating. It was like, look into different types of people that mm -hmm. live in each different area or like super evident within each of yeah. these stores, right? Very true. But they got the gig. They got the deal. They got That's Costco. awesome. Yes, except that they had just spent like $30,000 on new graphics and their new packaging. And Costco, in their infinite wisdom, because Costco is Costco, like they know what they're doing, said our one stipulation is that we want you to change the packaging. It was like a $6 million deal or something. And the owner of the company <laughs> said no. Wow. Costco I, I would know. Costco would know what's going to sell. Know. They would know. They're like the OG real people working, doing what you guys are doing now, <laughs> you know, like yeah. obviously with a lot more manpower and a lot more time. So my guess is this is something that could, you know, streamline their mm -hmm. process as well. Absolutely. Um, I love that. So we're also going to talk marketing Twitter, but okay. is there anything else about visual intelligence that you think our listeners should know? I think what I would do is I would look and see what images you're using currently. And if there's anything that any pain points that you have when it comes to like what images you're choosing across the spectrum, or if, and I know that I've had to fight this fight, if you're having to make sure that you have content that's personalized for where it's being seen, like, so if you're thinking about like website versus social versus e-com, it's definitely a great option. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask for a demo. There's some really great opportunities out there and our team is great. I mean, we don't pitch. We, we're very much like, we want to show you what it looks like. We want to give you a test drive. I love that. I had a client that was a startup. I was in pre-beta, same kind of the same deal. And it was not as awesome as this product. <laughs> I will tell you that. But yeah, but no, it was super cool to like, you know, teach people how to use it and show them the value. And yeah, like same thing, not selling it, just tell them how it worked and, you know, mm -hmm. and showing them cases that, yeah. you know, and giving them examples of how it was going to save them money. Mm -hmm. Okay. We do have a question and I am Shakar. Is that how I am terrible with names? So as we head into 2021 and companies will focus on visual intelligence, will they need improved methods of analyzing data? Absolutely. I think that we've learned a lot, especially with third-party tools or if we're putting things on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and reels and things like that, a lot of us are actually losing faith in the data that these third-party tools are giving us. So we're, 
we're really having to deep dive and learn how we can find this information on our own. So definitely you're going to need improved methods. And I think it's just like with everything, we're finding new opportunities to measure and learn. So whereas before it was a panel, now we're able to use tools like this to be, or platforms like this to be able to really kind of showcase what's available and then what happens next. What are, what are you able to measure next? But yeah, you're going to continue to see measurement as a huge thing, especially in social. And I say social specifically because social still tends to be the runt of the marketing litter. It still doesn't get the same street cred. It still doesn't get the same clout that we're seeing with like the ad sector that we're seeing with like traditional marketing, CMO positions, things like that. The social spectrum still seems to kind of not be as respected as highly. And so when it comes down to it, it's going to have to be all about ROI. And that's where the numbers come in. If you're working in social and you're worried about like, how do I prove my worth? It's always going to come down to numbers. Are you driving traffic? Are you driving sales? Are you driving awareness? Are you driving positive mentions? It's always going to come down to those numbers. So I think I think as more and more go into social and as this community as a whole really tries to elevate it, it's going to come down to the numbers because that's what stakeholders and that's what like, that's what C-suite looks at. C-suite cares about numbers. For sure. And especially with social media, it is, it can be really really hard to track ROI with social, but it can be done. It also depends on, you know, what the end client or the brand is willing to do to make sure that the numbers can be tracked. And obviously Absolutely. positive sentiment and engagement going up over time is the thing. But I always tell my clients like vanity metrics are just that. Mm-hmm. Vanity, however, it is an indicator of improved, you know, of at least gained visibility and, you know, Mm -hmm. people at least knowing that you exist. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Okay. I am going to go into holiday mode. (laughs) For those of you listening on the podcast, I just put on my reindeer. Here's a little bell. It's cute. It's cute. (laughs) I had a friend who used to have a pub crawl every Christmas time and that you didn't have to wear a whole outfit, but, but they asked that you or headgear. So I have four, like four different headpieces that, uh, that I like to wear. Well, and whenever I record a podcast, uh, I like to, at this time of year, I like to get a little festive. Also, I got a little festive with my StreamYard background as well. I actually, anyone who's watched this before will notice I stepped up my game a little bit in StreamYard this week. <laughs> Normally, I just have my logo in there, but I, I did the whole background thing and everything. It's cute. So thank you. Okay, so we talked about marketing Twitter in the beginning, but I would like to hear your perspective on, it might just be the circle that we are kind of like moving in and Mm -hmm. it may be kind of like a bubble, but I feel like there's more people and I feel like there's more engagement and there's more Mm -hmm. and it's so much more a positive environment than some other social platforms, let's just say. Yes. Um, in, in, (laughs) In terms of engagement, obviously TikTok is the be all to, you know, time suck. You have to like be ready to go down that rabbit hole for three hours uh, when you open it's it. It's an investment for sure. <laughs> you just scroll into oblivion. <laughs> I had, I gave myself a break last night. I had a bunch of work to do um, into the evening and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a TikTok break, but I'm only going to, you know, I was going to limit how many I watched. And then I'm like, <laughs> Okay, just one more. Just one more. Okay, yeah. just one more. And then, you know, what throws you off is then you, you go like, oh, do I want to follow this person? And then you go onto their page and then you start watching other things on their page and then who they do wedded with. And it's like, whew, 
It's real. So I would like to know your perspective on why. Is it the pandemic? And is it just because it's it's become more of like a, a destination for business, but also, you know, per- personally? What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's a few things. I think a lot of people have shifted their focus. They've really been burned out by a lot of other platforms. Facebook, there's obviously a lot more of a political, whatever you want to call it there. Um, yeah. People are, tend to be about a bit more vocal. You're fighting with your family and friends there. Whereas on LinkedIn, you're perpetually getting email requests. And then as soon as you accept within five to 10, like five to 10 minutes, you have a cold pitch in your email box. Instagram's kind of pretty, but you just wind up scrolling and just kind of effortlessly going. Reels is a is like just a low rent TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is where the majority of like just like mindless time. I call it like serendipity scrolling, just because like you never know what you're gonna get next. And the algorithm for better or for worse is extremely powerful and it learns quite quickly what you like. And so yeah. you're really able to dive into these like niche subgroups pretty quickly based on what you like. And then then the variety and just like the endless variety of content there is just astronomical. And then you have Twitter where it's a stream of consciousness. It's just clearly a stream of consciousness. Some of those comments are loved and well-received and others are hated. And there's definitely a negative, some negative energy around Twitter. Absolutely. But a lot of things happened this year specifically. You have a lot of marketers burning out. You have a lot of people who are working in social who don't remember what weekends are, who are dealing with chaos, who the right person or wrong person tweets about their brand, even if they did nothing. And then the rest of their day, is chaos and they're just cleaning up messes that they didn't make. You have an entire population that's scared, that's anxious, that's worried, that doesn't know what's going to happen next. We're all just kind of hoping to get through the year, knowing full well that midnight, the last day of the year, isn't going to fix things. It's not going to magically make everything better. So we're all trying to get through the year. And so what you had was like slowly but surely, these marketers were starting to talk to each other. We're starting to kind of like pull back that curtain of like, I love marketing, but marketing's hard. Or I love marketing, but it's stressful. Here's how it's stressful. Or here's what I'm doing to help cope. And so you have these like unapologetically honest conversations and you saw this community save itself. So you have these marketers who without Twitter were would have just kind of like been in their own bubble. And now you have the luxury of being able to talk to like-minded people, to be able to share your thoughts for better, or for worse, and be able to really like build each other up. That's been such a beautiful thing for me. Like marketing Twitter has been one of the best things to happen to me for 2020, regardless of the viral tweet because it was an opportunity to connect and just really embrace like, because everyone says like, do whatever you love and you'll never work. That's completely like, that's a lie. Like that's a lie. If you loved it and it didn't, it wasn't hard, they wouldn't have to pay you to do it. You do it for free. You're still paid to do that work and you can love it. And it can be your passion. And a lot of the people that in marketing, maybe they've left an agency or they've left a job or they got laid off, but they still love marketing. That's the people who are on there that want to share, that want to talk about it. it. It's so much a part of us that we really can't shut off. Like it's to be Saturday. We have nothing busy to do, but we'll see a commercial and our brain will immediately start fixing it. Like we, we can't help our, we can't help ourselves. Like we cannot help ourselves. So what you have is you over time, you have these small little pockets of people that are just slowly growing it, slowly growing it, making people feel more and more involved. And then you have, you get to meet people. And even though you aren't in the same room with them, some of them you'll, you haven't even met ever this year. You still know, like if something good happens to you, they're the first person you DM. If something bad happens to you, you immediately want to talk to them. We're trauma bonded. Does that make sense? Like we are, we are trauma bonded. Like these are my people. I would do anything for them. Like DM me on a 
heartbeat and ask me for a favor, I got you. Like it's, that's really what it feels like is you have this community that realized like, we got to save ourselves. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but we got to save it. And so that's, right. that's what you're really seeing. And that's why it's positive is we know better than most how bad the day can suck. Like we know what a really bad day for a marketer looks like versus like an okay day versus like a big win day. And we don't wish that on each other. Like that's just bad karma. Like I want you to have a great day. I want you to be successful. I want you to be seen. I want you to be heard. And I think that that's just really lovely. I think a lot of the people in Twitter have have discovered that amplifying others doesn't make you look bad. It doesn't make you lose followers. It's not a zero sum game. We can all lift each other up, make sure each other's day is better. And that's just like Twitter's far more enjoyable when you're doing that. For sure. And I have to say that was a nugget that you dropped yesterday. (laughs) What you just said, I was like, yes, Um, that's what I I like so much about gotten to know you through Twitter because y'all, this is the first time we've met face to face as much as this can be face to face. And I feel like I know you, like I know you're a college football fan, like I, you know, there's, there's all these things, but more than anything, I very much appreciate how you start conversations Mm -hmm. about positive things and, um, except college football, college football is like my negative space, apparently. I, I hear you on the eyes. I'm a huge sports fan. And as a 49ers fan, who as a season ticket holder, who, you know, maybe for better, hasn't been able to go to a game this year because we've been so bad. I can appreciate it. And, and it is funny too. It is one thing that can just make me in a bad mood. Like if my team yeah. is not winning. And so, yeah, I get caught up in it. And then I'm like, why? It's just a game, but it's so Why hard. is this ruining my entire weekend? <laughs> totally. Yeah. What is the deal? At least I get to wait till Sunday most weeks. <laughs> you have it on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, so. and it just ruins the whole thing. I'm like, okay, great. Although I think coming up this week, I think we get NFL on Saturday. No college football on Sunday. Is yep. your team going to a bowl? Or how's, how, how are the bowls even working this year? They, a lot of the teams are, sh- are choosing whether or not they actually want to go forward. UVA announced a couple days ago that they're not going. Virginia Tech, which is my team, um, they haven't made an official announcement yet. Fuente has said he's going to leave it up to the players and let the players decide if they're going to go to any whatever bowl they get selected for yes that, is that selection sunday this sunday i think or, so i'm not sure i haven't yeah. looked yeah so jim has to say see the only thing that i can say is that at least my team has a name i mean <laughs> that football team the football team the football the team Washington the noun. Yeah. The noun. That was, oh, that, was, that was painful because we really should have won out. So, and my co-host, Jen Cole, does every other show with me. And she is a Chiefs fan. So she and I had some fun the show before the Super Bowl. And I bet. We, re- we reviewed their social media. I talked a lot at Smack and she tried, but she, you know, she's far too nice. <laughs> she's not a very good Smack talker. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny because it still for months was getting viewed and getting downloaded and so we had a lot of fun it was it was entertaining i have 49ers bobbleheads and i brought them into the oh, i brought them into the show awesome. just, it was a lot of fun and of course then she said oh megan it's nice that you play with dolls i'm like oh, okay, I, can, I can i can make you feel better i have a i have a bobblehead on my desk that like protects me oh nice it is baby I keep him with, yeah i keep him with me at all times 
I love baby Yoda. He's yeah. my little desk mascot. He, t- he keeps the desk happy and force is good it. over here. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, for the podcast, since this is a podcast first, I always have to describe visual things to our yeah, listeners. Absolutely. Sorry. Gonna hear it like, what is that? What uh, is the sound? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jim says the selections are Sunday, championship games, Saturday, Big Ten, ACC. All right. Well, I was really happy to see woman score in a. Yes. In a- college game this weekend that was pretty awesome for Vanderbilt glass everywhere yes absolutely yeah lots of lots of stuff happening lately Mm -hmm. it's about darn time it's been awesome yeah so what's the number one piece of advice you would give to someone who is like not really into Twitter who doesn't think that Twitter's worth their time I would lurk see what's out there and find that a lot of people don't know how to engage. That's been like, that's the biggest problem. That's why I think a lot of the trolls, like I always joke that like, you'll never be meaner than someone that has less than a hundred followers. Because if someone says something mean to me on Twitter, like I can look and put money. It was like, Oh, that's nasty. That person has less than a hundred likes, a hundred followers. It'll be like eight. And I'm like, of course you do. And I think it's because they don't know how to engage. So they, they engage with their gut. They're like, I'll just look for something I hate. And then that's what I'm going to engage with. Instead of being purposeful with it, I find that Twitter, like Twitter is what LinkedIn wishes it could be. I've gotten more job opportunities, more job offers than I ever would have thought was possible from Twitter. Because on Twitter, you're able to see for better or for worse, because it is a stream of consciousness, you're able to see how people think. And so what I would do is, is, is lurk and look and see and really think about like, what do you love talking about? Like when you are tired, hungover, sick as a dog, what do you love talking about? Because Twitter, I find that people tend to be their truest self on Twitter because it takes, because you're on it so much. If you're really good at it, like kind of almost live there and you can't live that lie that long. Like you're eventually like your true thoughts are going to come out. They're going to spill out in your sub tweets or in just like your commentary or how you engage with people. So think about what you want to talk about. Think about what you enjoy talking about. And then just using the search and finding people who say that and like hashtags are great, but like you don't have to use hashtags. You can search anything. It'll come up whether it has a hashtag or not. And just, and just see like, what do you want to engage with? And then just be polite. Just if you disagree with somebody, like disagree, totally fine. You don't need an echo chamber. Just don't be mean about it. Just be like, hey, I love your thoughts on this, but I think this, da 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 da. And share those thoughts. And if you're worried and, and you're like, that doesn't work for me, I really love Twitter chats as an entry point. I think Twitter chats are amazing as an entry point because you're encouraged to reply. You're encouraged to start conversations. So I find that that's a really easy way to kind of jump in head first is look and see if there's a Twitter chat for something that, for a topic that you particularly love and then maybe maybe attend a few of them like a couple tweets you don't have to jump right in and introduce yourself but once you feel comfortable like hey this is my first twitter chat just trying to see how things are like you don't have to act like you own the place. You don't have to act like you know everything. I think that's the other beautiful thing about marketing Twitter is that the people that I tend to follow, they'll share their thoughts, but they know that like knowledge doesn't start and stop with them. Like other people have experiences they don't have, have knowledge they don't have. We can all learn from each other. And so if you go in with that mindset of, I'm really curious, I want to connect and I don't know everything, you'll find that those doors open up pretty quickly for you. I love that. Do you want to share a few Twitter chats that you... Sure. 
enjoy. Madeline Sklar, full queen. Love her. She does Twitter Smarter. That's that's one of the more heavily attended. So if you want to like big bang for your buck, that's a really big one. And Madeline will also retweet you and share your content out. So that's another way to really get some exposure um, that you wouldn't have if you were just kind of like tweeting into the universe by yourself. I love yes. Brienne's pop chat. If you love pop music, pop culture, like trends, things like that. That's a huge one. Chat about chat about brand with Christine Gritman. That's another amazing one. Ad Week has a chat. So if you're like on the ad side, definitely recommend that. But they're all like no pressure. Like come in. You don't have to answer every single question. Just come in when you have a chance. Say hi. Um, right. maybe, maybe like a couple people's stuff. I mean, you'd be surprised what happens when you just kind of poke your head in there and just like a couple comments. That's, that's what's really going to take. If you're not engaging with others, you're relying on this like magical algorithm that's going to like put your unit, like put your tweet into the universe and everyone's going to see it. That's, that's just not how it works. You really need to, if you're starting that audience from scratch, you really need to like say hi, engage, right. like some things, share other people's stuff. Because we all live in our notifications for that dopamine hit. So we know uh-huh. who's liking our stuff. We know who's retweeting our stuff. Like we see it. And so whenever I see someone new that I've, I've never talked to before, if they like or retweet my stuff, if I have the time, I'm going to look and be like, who is this person? And, and do I need to, do I, do I want to talk to this person more? Like, are they in marketing? Are they in something else? And then don't be afraid of DMs. DMs. DMs is the secret sauce for Twitter. It absolutely is. That was going to be my next thing to ask you about. So Jim says, this is where Christina and I met in person at the live oh. Twitter Smarter at SMMW in 2019. It was awesome. It was a really great experience. It's very, sur- it's very surreal though, when you're in a Twitter chat, like, but it's live. It's very, it was very cool, but very surreal. Yeah. Yeah. You're all kind of like looking at each other, but you're like, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, yeah. The first thing is I have strategy that I put together for a client in the Infectious Diseases Society of America. So uh, their foundation. So they're busy yes. right now. They are big on Twitter. So if you um curious, if you want to know the actual science and the actual medicine and what's going on with the pandemic and everything that's happening, look at hashtag ID Twitter or hashtag we are ID. But I'm suggesting that they do a Twitter chat I because yes, it it like will give them visibility as an organization, but also it'll give it'll give the community a place to go and all talk to each other. The DMs are really interesting. There's group DMs on there too that we're included in that I'm like, it blows my mind the things that these smart people say to each other but yeah i'm really hoping that they pick up because at this point these are all the things i recommend and then they get to decide what they want to do for the year but i'm really hoping that they pick it up because i think that their community will love it and it'll Mm -hmm. get it'll give everyone more exposure to the foundation but also it'll give the world the public like more information Mm -hmm. about what's actually going on which we need desperately yeah. Trust science. Actually, I have my mask is out of reach, but they did it. If you donated a certain amount of money, you got this mask, this trust science mask. And now That's everyone That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. So the DMs are interesting, right? Because they're not mm-hmm. trackable. It's like what they call the whole the dark web, mm-hmm. you know, like, but it's like, it's kind of where some magic happens. I mean, I know that's how we, this happened. I DM'd yeah. you. Well, let me just ask, do, how much time do you spend in there? Like, do you have a lot of people just out of the blue? Obviously people are throwing jobs at your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it's been weird. The, the past month has been interesting. I've had I spent more time in the DMs the past month than I have recent uh, prior. I've had a lot of people that I wasn't connected to responding. Some of them requesting me to amplify things. So like, hey, I see you reach 
retweeting stuff. Can you retweet this? I've had people comment about things, but I've also been in like, I was, can't say who, but I was put in a DM chat with a lot of other people in marketing Twitter. And I was just sitting there like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm a complete nobody. Like, I'm just looking at people like, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I'm glad I'm here. Like, thank you for the invitation. I just like, but why? <laughs> like, I'm not worthy. I don't understand what I'm doing here. <laughs> and just kind of go with the flow. And we're like, okay, I guess I'm here now. Um, but it's really interesting. I, I love DMs because it kind of goes along with that conversational nature that you can have on Twitter. I, I find that like the sales stuff feels like super alien on Twitter. Like if someone's like, hey, you should, you should do this and hire me. Those just feel like so... So much more obvious than they are on any other platform. And so the converse, the more conversational you are on Twitter, the, the more successful you'll be. And in the DM, same thing. The DMs, when you're doing it right, it should feels like a text from a friend. Right. And so when I'm getting DMs from people, it's just like, hey, how are you? And I was like, that's really nice. It's not a pitch. It's not what you see in your LinkedIn emails. It's also not what you see in your Instagram DMs. Like, I, it's weird. Like, LinkedIn email is they want to pitch you something because they saw that you had a certain title in your thing. And they couldn't tell you where you work. They couldn't tell you what you do, but they, they just know your title. Right. And they want to pitch you immediately. Instagram, they want to be your sugar daddy. And then Twitter, <laughs> it's just like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, hey, up, what do you need? How can I help? Like, it's just the vibe is very different, which is really nice. But yeah, a good DM, it's, it's like texting a friend. It's really nice. I like that. Okay. All right. So wind it down. I would like to know, I'm sure you have a million. What's a business book that you mm -hmm. would recommend to our listeners as they take time off this holiday season? <laughs> yeah. Mark Pollard just released a book a couple months ago. He did a whole like fundraising campaign for it in order to get the first editions out and things like that. And it's called Strategy Is Your Words. 100% recommend. A fantastic yeah. choice. Um, I actually have it. It looks like this. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. He talks about writing. He talks about ideas. He talks about how you can execute. He talks about everything. It's a really great book. It really kind of talks about, I'm a deconstructionist of heart. And it really kind of focuses on like how you're, how you're creating messaging, what words are you using and how those word choices matter whenever you're really trying to get that, get that messaging and get that, that action across. Oh, thank you, Jim. I love that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should have popped that up before I like <laughs> mid sentence. Like, <laughs> That's no, all good. That's very sweet. Yeah, Jim's awesome. I just finished Atomic Habits. Oh, um, that's so good. Yeah. I'm a little late to the party on that, I realize. I'm also late to the party, but I'm I'm, I'm now reading Anne Hanley's Everybody Writes. Oh, so, I I'm love hoping her. It's such oh, a good book. I love her so I much. love her so much. I'm trying to get her to be our episode 75 guest. So fingers crossed. If not we, that 100 and have her be like the 100 one. Because she, she right. deserves a good number. She's... Yes. I love her. I met her. I also met her at Social Media Marketing World 19. And I just fangirled. Like, I'm sure I made a complete ass of myself because I'm just like, it's an actual queen. Like, I just, I can't help myself. And, and she was like walking, I think she was walking to prep for like a talk that she was having. And I just, and I was, I was talking to, I was talking to I, so I and I were talking and then Anne comes by and, I, and we both just start fangirling her. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I know you're busy. I just want to tell you, I love you. And you're amazing you're the best like like full-on fangirl like not apologetic just like oh can't help myself did, like you're so yeah. good <laughs> i did that too this year did you go to world this year 
I didn't go this year, no. Okay, so she keynoted and it was epic. Like she, she's so good. She's so she good. She told the story of a of a rabbit in her backyard and she turned it into like trying to convert the rabbit onto her email list. It was hilarious. And I recorded the audio of it. It doesn't quite have the same punch without seeing the visuals, but because I was there, I like so yesterday I to geek myself out as I was emailing her to ask her, I, which was a follow-up. She had said before that she would do it, but it was like speaker season and then all like a year yeah. more than a year's gone by. So anyway, I'm so fingers crossed on that. She's fingers she's amazing. And I, yeah, I'm, I a writer, so I'm, I'm a writer at my core. And so mm-hmm. I just like I'm so in awe like of what she does and how good she is. So same. She's it. amazing. I love her. She is. All right, y'all. This has been such a great show. That Christina G, this Christina G. <laughs> Christina G, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. Of course. And thank you to everyone who is watching the replay on Facebook or YouTube or listening to the podcast. We appreciate you so much. We have one more episode in 2020, and that will be Ramon Ray. And he is sure to knock our socks off as well. So, and if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to share it with anyone and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you, Christina. Thank you so much. This has been episode 71 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time.